my name from the palms of his hands, eternity will never erase. My, what a Savior. What a Redeemer. Today I'd like to look at the great peacemaker. As Brother Tim was reading there in verse 35, I noticed in the scripture says, and also the burnt offerings were in abundance with fat of the peace offerings. The peace offerings. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 9 and then Luke chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 9 and Luke chapter 2. And today I'd like us to look at the Lord Jesus Christ as the great peacemaker. The great peacemaker. Our Savior and our Redeemer is the peacemaker between God and the elect of God. And the only way that we have peace with God is through he who is the great peacemaker. If you do not have Christ, it means you do not have peace with God. And you never will, unless God shows mercy to you. But if you have Christ, if you're in Christ, you have peace with God. Peace with God. And and what a marvelous truth this is. Peace with God. Turn again, if you would, to Isaiah 9. And we'll look at verses 6 and 7. And note that the Messiah shall be called the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder... So he's sovereign. And his name shall be called Wonderful. I ask you, who are the blood-washed saints of God, is he not wonderful to you? Is his name not wonderful to you? Counselor, he's the one we go to and pray to. The mighty God, he's the one true God. The Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So the peace that he gives, there be no end to it. It'll stretch on into eternity. So that means that if the believer has peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ now, there be no end to that peace, beloved. And it's not based upon us, this peace, is it? Or anything we do. It's all based upon he who is called the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it, with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now turn to the New Testament, where as John Gill brings forth, here before us is the proclamation of the great peacemaker being born. So he who is called the Prince of Peace, the Messiah, who we know to be the Word of God, the second person of the Trinity, Here we see the incarnation of the word of God. God becomes a man, the God-man. Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. And there were in the same country, verse 8, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Here is the arrival of the great peacemaker. The great peacemaker. Now, one thing you're noticed through time is men are constantly trying to bring peace. Trying to bring peace about by their own means. World leaders gather together and they have meetings and and their goal is to have peace with one another. And sometimes they make they sign a treaty or they or they have peace for a little while, don't they? But oftentimes those peace treaties are broken. Are broken. Or they they only make peace to further their own country, right? Which every leader would do. Would do. But you know, they'll never find true peace. They'll never find true peace because men are sinners. But they don't realize that, do they? And we didn't realize that until the Lord revealed that to us. That we're sinners. So, men will never find true peace based upon man's efforts. It just won't happen. Turn, if you would, to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And here we see the source of true peace. The source of true peace. And this is peace with God, beloved. And this is something that the believer has. The believer has peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and Lord willing, by, by the Holy Spirit illuminate the scriptures for us, we'll see this. And this is, this is a precious truth to God's people. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, we'll read the context of it. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. So Paul is writing to the Colossian believers about Christ, and what he's bringing forth is the preeminence of Christ, the the the, the Gnostics had come in and they were, they were teaching error and they were teaching that there was different kinds of, of redeemers or different kinds of mediators between God and man. And so Paul is contrasting that and bringing forth Christ and just saying Christ is the one mediator. He's the one who has all the preeminence. And we'll see that here. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible, there's his absolute dominion over all things. Right there, very plainly stated. By inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, it speaks of Christ's absolute sovereignty and deity over all things, visible and invisible. That covers everything. Everything. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, look at this. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. It's very plain, isn't it? And he is the head of the body. Now he's going to bring in this here. The head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in all things, look at this, he might have the preeminence. So the theme of the book of Colossians, if you read it, is the preeminence of Christ. The preeminence of Christ. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And look at this. And having made peace. How? Through the blood of his cross. Peace. Through the blood of his cross. By him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you. Now here's our natural state. That we're sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now hath he what? Reconciled. What a wonderful word. 
reconciled. Peace and reconciliation we see in these two verses here. In the body of his flesh through death to present you. Look at this. Now now think, think look, look what he says. Look what he says in verse 21 about our natural state. And you that were sometimes enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. So our natural state was that we were alienated from God. We were enemies in our mind <coughs> by wicked works, which is our sins. And then it says, yet now hath he reconciled. But look at this. In the body of his flesh through death to present you, you who were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, right? In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. That's a miracle of grace right there, right before us. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled and be not moved, away from the hope of the gospel. Now, remember what we looked at on Wednesday night? That, that it's he who will not let us depart from him. God will not let his people depart from him. Look at this. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, he keeps us. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Don't be moved away by anything or anyone from the hope of the gospel, which is in Christ and Christ alone, and is by his work and his work alone. Which ye have heard, God gave us hearing ears to hear it, didn't he? In which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. So Paul here brings forth the preeminence of Christ. <coughs> Excuse me, before the Colossian believers in, in the verse we just read, but note in verse 20, and we see the great work of reconciliation which the Lord Jesus Christ has wrought out at Calvary's cross, all in the room instead in place of God's people. And heaven made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Now we know that we all fell in Adam, don't we? We all fell in Adam. We fell in him and the result of the fall is that humans come into this world were absolutely dead in trespasses and sins. Now there's people who deny that, but they're, they're lying. Because this is what the scripture says. We're dead in trespasses and sins. Physically alive, but spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. And, and we saw there earlier that, that we were enemies in our minds with God. That was my state before the Lord saved me. I was an enemy in my mind. I had cooked up in my own imagination who I thought God was, and it was not God. But that was my natural state. But I read these verses and, 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 I, and I'm in wonder and awe at the great reconciliation which has occurred, which the Lord Jesus Christ has wrought out at Calvary's cross, again, all in the room and place of his people. Now, some folks might say, well, I, I didn't hate God. I didn't. Well, your actions showed that you did before the Lord saved. We may not have verbally said that, but our actions showed that, didn't they? Our sins showed that. Our rebellion before God showed that. Our thoughts and our deeds betrayed us. See, the self-righteous man will say, no, no, I wasn't like that. <laughs> the believer says, yeah, that's me. That was me. And we need peace with God. We need peace with God, beloved. But there's not one human being in their natural state who ever seeks this peace. Because in our natural state, Scripture says, there's none that seeketh after God. None. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's not one of us who can bring about peace with God by our own works. Not one of us. Not one of us. And I don't care whether their works, people think, are religious works. Not one thing can gain us merit and favor with God in anything we do. God must be the one who brings about this great reconciliation between himself and his elect. And it is all by his authority and all by the appointment of God the Father. Look at verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. This reconciliation, beloved, this, this great peace that was wrought out by the Lord Jesus Christ was all planned and all purposed 
by God in eternity. And it is executed by him as well. It's executed by him. He's the one who has put it into execution. And Paul speaks of, turn if you would to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul speaks of this wondrous work of reconciliation which the Lord Jesus Christ wrought out at Calvary's cross in, in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself. See who's doing the reconciliation? It's God. He's reconciled us to himself. How? By Jesus Christ. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. This is what Brother Gary and I were talking about. Gospel preachers have wonderful news. We proclaim the the ministry of reconciliation. We're ambassadors for Christ. It's wonderful. Reconciliation with God through Christ and Christ alone. And not by anything you do. Praise his mighty name. Look at verse 19. To wit that, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. This is what gospel preachers proclaim. The Lord's ordained preachers are ambassadors. We, and again, we have wonderful news. Wonderful news. Look at this in verse 20. Now then we as our ambassadors for Christ as though God did besiege you by us. We pray you in God's stead be reconciled to God. So the work of reconciliation he committed to his son. And the word of reconciliation he committed to we believers in Christ. And, and every believer is an ambassador for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. And it's our privilege to tell the wondrous things that God had done for us, isn't it? It's a privilege when the Lord opens the door for us just to tell people about the wondrous works that he's done. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. The fact that he's, God has reconciled his people, the people of his own choosing, without any violation of his own justice, he can have mercy upon those who have offended him, those who have broken his law, those whom his justice has a rightful claim, and his justice had a rightful claim upon us, didn't it? It did. But he can have mercy upon his, his chosen people in Christ. Because only in Christ, and only in Christ alone, is his law and justice fully satisfied. Only in Christ, nowhere else. And then look at verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. All our sins were imputed to Christ, and his spotless righteousness is imputed to us. It's wonderful. Wonderful. Now think of this too. This mercy, this redemption, this reconciliation, it all flows from the free grace of God in Christ. It all flows from the sovereign, God the Father's sovereign hand. And again, it all comes to us in and through Christ and Christ alone. The only way we are reconciled to God is through Christ. Nowhere else. Not even a pinprick of our works. Nothing. It's all what he's done. It's all what he's done. And see, that... That, that's a blow to self-righteousness for man, isn't it? But God's people rejoice. We rejoice. Oh, this is precious. My salvation is not dependent on anything I do. It's wholly dependent upon he who has reconciled me to God. Wonderful news. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 5. We'll look at verses 8 and 9. And, and just marvel. Marvel at this redemption. Marvel at this reconciliation, beloved. Because again, it all flowed out of the free grace of God to us through Christ. And, and, And think of the love behind that. Think of the love. This everlasting love that God the Father has for his people. That he would send his son to die in our place. To reconcile us to him. My. We who were enemies in our mind. 
would we do anything like that for our enemies? We wouldn't, would we? <laughs> do you see how his thoughts are so far above ours? And his ways are not our ways, beloved? Oh my. Oh my. Look at this in Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. But God commandeth his love toward us. Toward who? Towards his people. In that while we were yet sinners, we were enemies in our minds, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Through him. Saved from wrath. We are saved from the wrath of God, beloved. Because that wrath that was justly due you and I who believe fell upon our Savior fell upon our substitute. See, God's law has to be satisfied, doesn't it? I mentioned this out west. God's law has to be satisfied either in the sinner or in the substitute. Well, praise God for his people. God's law and his wrath has been satisfied in the substitute. Oh, what mercy we've received. What mercy we've received. And then look at, look at verse 10. The Lord Jesus Christ, he's the great peacemaker between between God and his people. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. His life. And he gave his life for his people, didn't he? He gave his life for us. And he's loved us with an everlasting love. And think of this. That everlasting love that God has for his people was fully manifested at Calvary's cross. It was on display. Just look to the cross is a manifestation of God's love to you who are his people. When you read that, what he went through on the cross, what he died and, and, and what he bore even before that, read that as Christ, the love of God being manifested for every one of his people. Because who did he die for? Who did he give his life for? His sheep. His sheep. And every one of God's people can say, he did that for me. Wonder of wonders. Wonder of wonders. So may we just rest and repose in this precious truth as we go through each day that we are reconciled to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2. He's the great mediator, the great reconciler between God and man. He's God incarnate in the flesh. And all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. And Paul, all through, his, all through Paul's writings, he's continuously pointing the believer to Christ. Continuously. Pointing you away from, away from self and, 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 and the false teachers that are trying to bring works in and pointing you right to Christ. Right? And God's preachers still do that today, don't we? Oh. We just tell you, look to Christ. Look to him and live. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 17. For he is our what? Peace. Who's our peace? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's our peace, beloved. Who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. This is speaking of the Jews and the Gentiles. There was a wall of partition in the temple where the, the Gentiles could only enter certain points. Look at this. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God, both Jews and Gentile, in one body, by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you. I look at this and say, that was me, which were far off. And to them that were nigh. And, and we know that, that we've, been bought, we've been bought nigh by the blood of Christ, haven't we? Oh, my. And we, we, we ought to always give the glory to God for this wondrous salvation, for this wondrous reconciliation. You know, he's made us meet or qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And the Lord Jesus Christ needed and needs no assistance or help to save save souls. Boy, you 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 listen to the the savior, supposed savior that some men proclaim. He can't do nothing. 
But our Savior can do all things. He don't need no assistance from anyone to save his people. He went to Calvary's cross and he purchased every one of them by the shedding of his own precious blood. And he, by the power of the Holy Spirit going forth, draws them. They, they, they come to Christ, every single one of them. And they don't need no help. They don't need no help. That's why when you talk to someone about the gospel, just leave them alone. Don't, don't, just leave them alone. Let God deal with them. Let God deal with them. I heard about a preacher who was converted one time, and, and, and one of the old prime preachers, somebody came up to him and said, I think, I think uh, the Lord's working on such and such. And the old preacher said, just leave them alone. Just leave them alone. Let God deal with them. And the Lord saved them. That's what we ought to do too. We just tell people the wondrous things that God had done for us. We leave them alone. It's God's work. It's God's work. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't need any help from anyone. He's, he's God Almighty in the flesh. He's God Almighty in the flesh. And we were reconciled to God by the shedding of his precious blood. And we can't make the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ effectual to ourselves or anybody else. That's God's work. That's God's work. The blood of Christ must be sprinkled on our hearts by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, before our consciousness can be purged from dead works to serve the living God. And the Lord Jesus Christ has accomplished salvation for his people. It's finished. It's an accomplished salvation, beloved. And you know that we're complete in him. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, And ye are complete in him. I was talking to a friend of mine who reads and, reads and writes Greek when I was out west. And I bought this verse up to him because it's, it's, it's a verse for me that I, I just absolutely love. It, to me, it's one of the most spectacular verses in the Bible. And ye are complete in him. And I asked him, because he, he, as I said, he knows Greek. And he, before I could even, when I, when I mentioned the word, he goes, oh, that's the Greek word for, and I looked it up and I said, yeah, that's the one. And he said, Wayne, when, when, um, when Paul penned that and when the Colossians would read that Greek word, they would know exactly what he was saying. Because that, that Greek word supposedly means that you can't, it, and it was used for, for when people filled their water pots. And, and they were filled to the top, and you could not get anything else in there. It was completely full. And he said, so, so just the common people like you and I would understand that. They'd be, well, you can't add anything to it. Oh, isn't that marvelous? And ye are complete in him, in Christ. Complete. Complete. Look at verse 20. And here's evidence of that. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Here before us in verse 20 we have the method of how God's people are reconciled to God through the work of the great peacemaker, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. And having made peace. It's past tense, isn't it? And having made peace. Made peace in the Greek is defined as to be a peacemaker. That is, to harmonize figuratively, to make peace. So the false teachers here at Kloss were, were trying to bring about, or were teach, falsely teaching a partial reconciliation between God and man through the intercession of angelic mediators. And they were saying, well, Christ is just one of those mediators. No, Paul See how Paul battles that, that error? He just puts it right forth before them that we are complete in Christ. He speaks of an absolute and a complete reconciliation accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word incarnate, thus showing that the false teachers, teaching of other mediators was ineffective, because they were neither human nor divine, but the Lord Jesus Christ is God incarnate in the flesh. And it was necessary for the great peacemaker to be born into the world, that he is a, is a, 
as the God-man should suffer for all of God's elect in their place, the sinless one dying for sinners. And note the words in heaven, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Again, in this verbiage, it's something that's being accomplished by the one who is spoken of and having made peace. And this is all one word in the Greek. It means to make peace, reconciliation, also concerning itself with bringing about a cessation of hostilities. And this is wonderful. It means to reconcile fully. To reconcile fully. We see here before us that the Lord Jesus Christ is our only peace with God. He's every believer's peace with God. Again, we have no peace, no redemption, no salvation without Christ. But in him and through him, we have reconciliation and peace with God. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Our, <coughs> excuse me, our text says through the blood of of his cross. The Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, purchased peace and redemption and reconciliation and salvation on the cross for his people, all by the shedding of his own precious blood. He did it all alone, didn't he? He did it all alone. Scripture says this, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Acts 20, 28. To feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. God himself has purchased his church. The God-man. We are redeemed. We are bought and paid for, beloved, by the precious blood of Christ. So let us ponder that this peace was made through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed at Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago. It is then that he died on the cross as our substitute. And we didn't know Jesus Christ in our natural state, did we? We had no idea that he was our peace until we're delivered from the power of darkness, until we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God. Till he gives us true saving faith, all by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit of God. You see, salvation's of the Lord. It's all his doing. We're simply receivers of this wonder, wondrous grace. Scripture says this, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. The Lord Jesus Christ was delivered for our offenses, for our sins. The sinless one died in the place of sinners. And then he was raised again for our justification to show that God was absolutely satisfied with that sacrifice. Therefore being justified by faith, Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. How? Through the Lord Jesus Christ, the great peacemaker. Only through him. Only through him. Note in verse 20, the verse brings forth two words here too. By him. By him. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him, to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. This mercy, this redemption, this reconciliation all flowed again from the free grace of God to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is salvation in no other. One must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as salvation in our text is, is only by him. Only by him. Now this destroys the error of man trying to bring about reconciliation with God by their own works. There's a lot of folks out there who try to bring about their own reconciliation with God by their works. There's all kinds of religious works out there, isn't there? All kinds. Now, after the believer saved, the love of Christ constrains us, doesn't it? We don't go crazy. He keeps us. 
He keeps us. But these two words here destroy and rebuke the false religions of our day. And they show that anyone who is trying to gain merit and favor by God, anyone who's putting their trust in their sacrifices or penance or, or that they pray a certain length of time or how much of the Bible they read or how many times they knock on doors. It's all stuff I used to think was gaining me merit and favor with God before the Lord saved me, beloved. Oh, he's so gracious. Oh, God is so gracious. Those were all refuge of lies because salvation is by him, by the Lord Jesus Christ. And anything we do after, we do out of, out of love for this wondrous salvation that God has done for us. And we know it don't gain us any merit with God at all. All the merit we have and all the merit we need with God is in Christ Jesus. It's all by him. It's all by him. By him. By the Lord Jesus Christ. So these two small words destroy and rebuke the false religions of our day. And also during the Colossians time. Because many people say there's many ways. Oh, there's many ways to God. No, there isn't. By him. By him. And it's not by him and something you do. It's by him. It's not by him and in baptism like the Church of Christ is. No, it's by him. So this, these two words, two little words, help us identify false religions because it's by him. By him. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 16. I want to show you something here. Acts chapter 16. Now, if there was anything that we could do, right, for our salvation, Paul would have told this man. I loved, I absolutely love this little portion right here. And I know it's familiar to us, but I, I, I want to read this in light of by him. By him. Acts 16, verses 27 to 31. In the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had, had been fled. Remember, they, they cast Paul and Silas into prison and a great earthquake occurred. And, and, and back then, if, if prisoners got out, man, whoever was, whoever was uh, the keeper of the prison, they'd be dead. They're, they're gone. They're, they're going to get killed because it's their responsibility to keep the prisoners. But look at, look at how, how God's sovereign hand is at work here. This is wonderful. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are, are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> By him. <laughs> right? Think of that. By him. Look at this. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. By him. By him, beloved. Salvation is only in and through the great peacemaker, the Lord Jesus Christ. We must cease from our labors and our works and flee to Christ. And, and, and may God make you willing. If, if, if he hasn't made you willing to do so, may he make you willing to do so. To just cease from your labors. Just flee to Christ and Christ alone. This is what every believer's done. Eh? It's all by the power of God. He made us willing in the day of his power to flee to Christ. So we see in our text the great work of reconciliation is God's work. It's not man's work. It's God's work. It's all by him, by the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And this was all purposed and planned out by God the Father. All purposed by God in eternity. And executed at Calvary's cross. We are reconciled to God. We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit gives faith and repentance to his people. And they trust Christ. And it shall be for a sign, for a witness unto the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt, for they shall cry unto the Lord because of the oppressors, and he shall send them a Savior, and a great one, a great one. 
and he shall deliver them. Isaiah 19, 20. God sent us a Savior, didn't he? By him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And he's a great one, isn't he? And he's delivered us, hasn't he? He's delivered us from all our sins, beloved. That's found in Isaiah 19.20. And he shall be, and it shall be for a sign, for a witness, for the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. For they shall cry unto the Lord. And God's people, we cry unto the Lord, don't we? When he reveals himself to us, when we're born again of the Holy Spirit of God, oh, we cry out to the Lord. Because of the oppressors, and he shall send them a Savior and a great one. And he shall deliver them. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's all, salvation is all by him and through him and in him. And again, notice in Colossians 1.20, by him is stressed twice in this verse. This is another blow again to the false Gnostic teaching. Paul showing that reconciliation with God is only through Christ, by him and him alone. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. By him, by him, by him. (laughs) By Christ alone. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. By him, beloved, by the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. By him to reconcile, it says here, our text continues, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And now the word reconcile here is in the Greek is defined as to reconcile completely. Isn't that wonderful? if we are reconciled completely to God by and in and through him, the Lord Jesus Christ. That takes us right out of the equation, doesn't it? We're simply receivers of this wonderful, marvelous grace. It also means to reconcile back again Remember, we were enemies in our minds. To reconcile back, to bring back a former state of harmony. Remember Adam before he fell? Oh my, Christ is the second Adam, beloved. He's the second Adam. So the question comes up, who are we reconciled to? Well, we're reconciled to God. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, he's reconciled us completely to God. Completely to God. God's people have been fully redeemed. Fully redeemed. And all our salvation is in Christ. And all our salvation is by him. By him. It's wonderful, isn't it? This is wonderful news. Again, God's preachers proclaim the reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation. He offered himself up in our place before God. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, and then put your finger in Romans chapter 5. He offered himself up in the place of his people before God. Why? To make reconciliation. To make reconciliation for his people. Hebrews 2.17 Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God. And verse 17 ends with like this, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. 
Our Savior made peace through the blood of his cross. Peace for his people through the blood of his cross. Now the Greek word for reconciliation also means to reconcile back again, again to bring back a former state of harmony. Again, we fell in Adam, who was our federal head. But we who believe are reconciled back to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has redeemed and reconciled every single one of his people. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And he, he's reconciled us by the shedding of his precious blood. Romans chapter 5. We'll look at verses 12 to 15. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. When Adam fell, there's, there's our fall right there in Adam. Very, very clearly and very plainly stated. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. So, we are children of Adam. So we come into this world dead in trespasses and sins. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, so through the fall of Adam, many be born dead in trespasses and sins. Much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, remember, by him, by him. Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many, and that many is all the elect of God from all the ages. Note it doesn't say all. But it does say many. Aren't you thankful? If you are one of God's blood-bought saints, that you're included in that many? My. We're reconciled back to God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son, all through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because they're all God. Our sin was against divine majesty, and against divine judgment and divine justice, and it was against divine law. And this great reconciliation has been accomplished for the elect of God by the great peacemaker, the Lord Jesus Christ. All by the shedding of his precious blood upon Calvary's cross, so, so that we who were far off, we who were enemies in our minds, are brought nigh by the blood of Christ. And it's God who's done this. He sought us out, didn't he? He brought us to a place where we hear the gospel. He continues to bring us to a place where we hear the gospel. And we love to hear it, don't we? Tell me the old, old story. Tell me about what Christ has done for me. Tell me that, 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 my, that my salvation is complete in Christ. Tell me. And just keep telling me. And just keep telling me. Oh, it's wonderful. Reconciled to God by and in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore we glorify Him, don't we? We give Him all the praise. This wondrous salvation, this this wondrous reconciliation has been accomplished by him. By him. For us, who are his, are his people. By him, though. Just let those words burn in your heart. By him. By him. By the Lord Jesus Christ. By his sovereign life-given power. The Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one mediator between God and man. And so Paul's bringing this forth that there's only one mediator by him to combat the error that the Gnostics are bringing forth 
saying there's multiple mediators between God. And you know, that, that stuff's still out there, right? There's one of the largest churches in the world. What do they say? They say somebody's a co-redeemer. They say you're supposed to pray to her. That's a false mediator. By him. And by him alone. The Lord Jesus Christ. Only by him are we reconciled to God. In the sacrifice made by Christ, in his death, the atonement which he accomplishes in and through the shedding of his precious blood, by him are we reconciled to God. The blood of the cross signifies not merely the fact that Christ died on the cross, but also the value of his death in the shedding of his precious blood for the sins of his people. And he has accomplished a complete salvation. And there is a divine satisfaction in that work that he's wrought out for his people. He's redeemed his people from their sins. And God's people say, it is finished. Praise his mighty name. Praise his mighty name. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for your goodness and mercy and grace. Oh, Lord Jesus, what a wondrous salvation you have wrought out for your people. How the fact that we who were alienated in our minds and by wicked works, we hated thee by our deeds and our actions and our words. But yet you've loved your people with an everlasting love. And may we who are your blood-bought people leave here just rejoicing in this wondrous truth that we have been reconciled to to the Father by thee, Lord Jesus, and by the shedding of thy precious blood, you who are our Savior, our Redeemer, and our Lord. Lord, we look forward to the day when we will see you face to face. And we will join with the other blood-washed saints who have been glorified to be in thy presence forever. And we will sing with them, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy are you, Lord Jesus, to receive glory and honor and power. We love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.